Hi, everybody. It's Jill. And this is Mel. And it's Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey, Mel. Hey, Jill. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's Friday, so it's a good day. It is Friday. It's a good day. It's a great day. It's also Mel and Jill after dark. It definitely is. And um, I'm going to apologize now if the recording audio is weird on my end, because I'm literally in my bed. I have a weird setup, and the microphone is balanced. So really hope that I don't accidentally hit what it is sitting on. <laughs> my husband. Yeah. Is, we're, I, I didn't want to do the rec- the closet again because it was like not the most comfortable. Um, and Mark is playing his game in the office. So I was like, well, this is the next best thing. Yeah. You're playing in bed. You, you honestly, in, at least in my ears, sound great. I sound echoey, but that might be because I am in an echoey room because even though I've unpacked a lot of stuff, there's nothing in this room to make it not echo. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get a rug and some some books on the wall. You'll get there. I'll get there. I have a rug, so that does help some, but yeah, I don't think you're too bad. You're good. But, um, so it's the beginning of the year and I was thinking about this Mm -hmm. because you and I have talked previously about goals and I hate goals. Mm -hmm. You do. Especially smart goals. Like they're the bane of my existence. They are the worst thing in the world that corporate America has come up with. Like they're bullshit. I think it's because you and I both have trauma from smart goals. Yeah. (laughs) But to be fair, like I just hate goals in general. I really, mm-hmm. I really, I, cause I'm, I'm not good at consistency. So yeah. my That's true ADD, ADHD. Oh yeah. Very, very much so. So my goals need to be a little bit more shorter lived. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but I, a, a very unserious goal that I think I'm going to set for myself is how to do cat eye liner Mm, i love that yeah because i can't do that right now (laughs) i can't it just takes me a really long time i will do one on a fluke and it'll look flawless and then i can't recreate it on the other side so no but to be honest like makeup is definitely one of those things that you have to practice and Mm -hmm. I. Never, ever thought I would get good at red lipstick, and I have recently begun to nail it. So, Mm -hmm. to the point where, like, I think I I told my husband, I was like, I think I'm going to start wearing red lipstick more. I really like it. But red lipstick is addictive. I'm a red lipstick girly and have been since I was, like, a teenager. My mom loved that about me. I need to find (laughs) a good shade because I feel like the ones that I have are a little bright. So... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you are definitely like with your skin tone. I would definitely have you lean into the blue based reds. Like honestly, I feel like Ruby Woo would be like 
a great red on you. I don't even know what that looks like. So it's a very famous Mac lipstick, matte lipstick. Okay. I'll give it a shot. So, Mm -hmm. but, um, and I, I can't say too many good things about the Superstay matte inks by Maybelline. Those suckers are amazing. Once they dry down, they do not move. You know, you've given me a few and they do do. They're great. But I, the last few times I've worn red lipstick, I've used an actual lipstick and I actually really like Mm -hmm. it. I don't mind reapplying every so often. So, oh, I hate reapplying. I want it to be on my face and just. Like I use every, like I use very intense setting spray every single day. I don't want to touch up my makeup at all. I mean, I don't want to touch up anything on my face, but I don't mm-hmm. I don't mind reapplying lipstick. Mm, nah. But I do like a good like classic bullet lipstick. Those are great. Especially if you find like a really good like creamy formula that feels nice on the lip. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I do love a good So what about you? Do, red lip. do you have an unserious goal that you would do? Um I mean, I feel like a reading goal isn't very serious. I think I'm gonna do 75 books for 2024. Cause even though I hit my hundred books in a year, I definitely like have a lot of things to do at least in Q1 so I want to make sure I like make space for life um I haven't really thought about like not like a not serious goal for 2024 have you walked to Mordor yet I did walk all the way to Mordor and then I'm doing, so I participate in these things called conqueror challenges. So there's like a fun app on your phone where like for every so many miles, you can like pick a quote race and then it tracks you and like sends you postcards and stuff like that. And right now I'm doing route 66. Okay. So it's the entire length of route 66, which I think is kind of cool. Cause we used to work off of route 66. Yeah, I spent most of my t- life living off of Route 66, so. Yeah. There's that. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a kind of a cool one. They do have a new Lord of the Rings one where it's Rohan and Gondor. Like, you walk from Rohan to Gondor. Huh. But, yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah. We still have to pick our trip. I know our best friend trip. Maybe you just come here. Honestly, I'm thinking that might be the best idea. Because we're gonna go there in May. Mm-hmm. Like we're definitely going. <laughs> um she her work is putting on a cool event that I so definitely want to go to. Um, yeah, I should have more information like soon. But so I definitely want to do that. And I know like Mark's totally down. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. We can go to the lake. We could do a bat cruise. A what? A bat cruise. 
bat, like B-A-T? Yep. What's that? So there is this bridge over a lake in the city I live in, and it is the largest man-made habitat for bats, like unintentionally. Oh my God. Like the animal. The animal. Oh God. (laughs) Shit. I didn't realize that's what you were talking about. (laughs) So you can take these like sunset cruises on the lake and watch all the bats fly out. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I would do that. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I would like to put a bat house in our backyard. Because they eat mosquitoes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I live near the water. I mean, granted, it's like a larger body of water, but still. Like, yeah. I live in Florida. Mm-hmm. It's this fucking swamp. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So, no, I live in the swamp. <laughs> Little bit, yeah. <laughs> but I do not. It's a fucking bayou, man. You know when you say bayou, all I think of is Princess and the Frog with Louie and Ray. Exactly. I can't I can't say the name of something without unless you bleep it out without giving away where I live. But there's like it, it the the bayou has a name. And that is like mm. it's the rednecks around here. Mm. <laughs> they call them blank boys. It's just like oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't lived in the city that long, like a little over two years, so I don't know any like specific regional nicknames yet. I would love to live near a bigger city. I miss living near a big city. It is nice. I know I used to live near Savannah, Georgia, and I know that that is not a big city in the grand scheme of things, but it was like the perfect size city for me. Yeah, it's a pretty city from I've never didn't get to visit you when you lived there. Yeah. But. It's a lot of fun, though. If we go, we need to stay at... The Riverfront Hotel. I can't remember the name of it, or I think it's a Marriott. But they have a fucking dinosaur fossil in there. Is that where the dinosaur yes, Marriott is? That's where the dinosaur oh Marriott is. It's so fucking cool. And they have an African restaurant inside. Oh my God. Ooh. The food was amazing. The cocktails were delicious. Like it was the last time I was there, it was a lot of fun. I really had a good time. <laughs> I don't. Savannah is definitely like one of the cities I want to go to. I also want to go back to Atlanta because I only spent less than 24 hours there. I love Atlanta. I love Atlanta. I am like, that's, I've loved Atlanta since I was a kid. My my birthday is close to the 4th of July. And we would always, like, one, I got really big into baseball Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I was a huge Atlanta Braves fan, like during the Olympics when and shit. Huge, like nineties Atlanta Braves fans, like Chipper Jones and uh like John Smoltz and all those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so my parents would take us every few years up to watch a Braves game on the fourth of July. 
So there you go. Yeah. So we would go up there all the time, and I remember going up to Turner Field, and this was when like Build a Bear first came out too, mm-hmm. and it, you could mm-hmm. only find it in like massive cities, and they had this huge fucking mall there, and it had the Rainforest Cafe and a Build a Bear, and oh my god, and an Abercrombie and Fitch. So, oh my god, like it had everything. literally everything. And everything. So we like would go up there and, and then go to the Braves games and stuff. I fucking love oh Atlanta. God. And now, now, like the aquarium is one of my favorite places. I really want to go to the aquarium because they have a whale shark. Yep. The whale sharks are my favorite. I, that was my favorite shark as a kid. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see the whale shark 100%. It's amazing. And also, then there's the world of Coke that's right there as well, which is so fun. Like, you'd love it. You'd love it. It's a lot of fun. My husband's a big Coke guy. Like, he collects Coke memorabilia, kind of like, we are a Coke household. Oh, God. He'll, he'll love it then. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun because you can also taste a bunch of... Oh, he's been. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because you can taste a bunch of different flavors of Coke from, like, all around the world as well i mean i did that at epcot does that count i mean it's probably very similar it's probably very similar so um there's another coal museum around the corner from there i yeah it's a lot of fun i like it atlanta's my my favorite and then you know we went to the mercedes-benz stadium which was fucking gorgeous Mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. It was also the city I first had fondue. <laughs> My aunt took me to this fondue. to this fondue restaurant, and it was like a pirate ship. It's like not far from downtown, like near the mall. Hmm. I'm gonna have to ask her. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, because when I think fondue, I immediately think of like the melting pot. Oh, I fucking love the melting pot. Oh, that's one of my favorite places. We ha- so we have one here where I live, and so like birthdays and like fun stuff, we'll we'll go down to the melting pot. It's one of my favorite places. But the kids fucking hate it, and it's really annoying because neither of them do cheese. It's like, yeah. How did you birth two humans who don't do cheese? My youngest really hates cheese. Like, won't eat it. Unless it's pizza. I don't know if she and I can be friends anymore. Yeah. Won't eat it unless it's pizza. My older one will. But um, we'll take him there for dessert. We do the mm. we do the chocolate. There you go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I didn't go to a melting pot like fondue. Like we had fondue in our dorm rooms in a way that we probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That sounds dangerous. Oh, everything I did in college was kind of dangerous. <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't go to co- like college and have the normal college experience. I went for like, I think a semester and then came home. So, yeah, I um, had a very traditional college experience, lived in the dorm, lived in a building that was full of my same film major crazy people. And we, we had like thirsty Thursdays and trashy Tuesdays. Like 
literally every week somebody's room would be pumping and we would make we would do all kinds of stuff like we came back my sophomore year like everybody came back from like summer break and somebody had gone on like a european like backpacking trip and brought real absinthe back so then we were doing absinthe shots (laughs) oh my god sorry mom and dad i did in fact have fun in college hilarious okay I did not, I, like I said, I did, I did not have a normal college experience. I did a semester. I lived in an apartment and then got pregnant, came home. Whoops. Yeah. Anyway, a few years, fast forward a few years, I do end up going to like a traditional four-year university. However, by this point I was married and I had a toddler. So I was a lot older than these kids. And I remember distinctly having to explain to a kid how he got pink eye and what he needed to do to (laughs) to not have pink eye anymore the kid this was like christmas time okay this was like the end of the semester and this kid had not washed his sheets that's how he ended up with pink eye and i was like Oh my God. And I had to tell, like, nobody had taught this kid how to wash his sheets. So I told him, I was like, okay, here's what you gotta do. And then I went through all the steps with him. I was like, make sure you use bleach. <laughs> so, but then I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm really glad that I, part of me is really glad that I didn't live in the dorm because ew. Ew. I mean, I washed up my sheets, but I was in driving distance from my parents' house, so I would save up all of my laundry and go home like every six weeks and do all my laundry for free because it was like a buck fifty to wash, just wash your clothes, and then like a buck fifty to dry them. And I'm like, I'm not spending three dollars a load of laundry. Hell no. Yeah, it's really fucking expensive for shitty washers. So I would take my shit home. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I told this kid, though, like, you need to bleach your sheets, like, at least once a month. Minimum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did a lot of fun stuff in college. Like, it was a good, like, if if I could rewind time and relive college, I would, and I would have more fun because I was still way too uptight and way too, like self-conscious to really just enjoy myself to the fullest and I really should have I did some dumb shit like I took a year off in between like graduating high school and going to that one semester before getting pregnant and I like would hang out with my friends who were at college and I definitely broke into (laughs) an abandoned insane asylum yeah so that was that fun. sounds normal oh yeah frankly well and then the oh my god i felt bad though because the kid that i was with i actually went to high school with this kid we didn't hang out when we were in high school though we like hung out in different crowds he um got caught like we had alcohol with us we had all got caught at this thing right so the cops show up but he took the fall for it so he got like an underage drinking ticket which I don't really remember the consequences of, but I don't think he really cared. Yeah. 
but I mean, campus police would break up the parties on a fairly regular basis, this- but nobody ever got like in trouble for there being alcohol. And there was alcohol at all of these parties. Well, we weren't on campus. We were, that was like probably Capitol police. So in whoopsies. Yeah. I mean, it was an abandoned mental hospital. It was not on campus. It was like... It's not a campus. No, it was fenced off, like, it boarded up. You were trespassing. Yeah, we were super trespassing. Definitely super trespassing. <laughs> everybody, everybody does it at some point. Um, I don't... It's fine. I'm, I've trespassed. I'm, like, almost positive my dad doesn't listen to this. I Because I don't know if I've ever told him that story. <laughs> Like, there was no sincerely terrible consequences that you're still coping with to this day. So, Uh -uh. like, it's, like, not a big... At this point, it's been, like, 20 years. Does it matter? I wouldn't... It's not that I wouldn't tell him. I just don't know if I want him to find out on a podcast. I would tell... I would tell him this story. I just don't think it's ever come up before. I was definitely the bad one. Like, out of... Between my sister and me. I was the bad one. I was such a straight-laced kid. Like, I was so good, and I had no freedom for so long, hence why I identify with Nesta. Um, and when I got to college, I had, like, this kernel of freedom because, like, I had to call my parents every day, but I had 23 hours, essentially, of them not knowing what I was doing. So I did stuff. Yeah. And I wasn't, I didn't, like, honestly, I didn't go that crazy. Like, I didn't do drugs. I didn't really start drinking until I was, like, 20. Like, it had a few drinks before then, but, like, it wasn't until, like, sophomore, junior year that I, like, actually, like, had anything to drink. And I never got drunk. I did. I drank in high school. I'm trying to think. Like... Yeah, a little bit, but only like the end of my, like towards like my senior year. Like it wasn't really like a big thing mm-hmm. in my. I mean, oh, it was a big thing. Like, listen, I, there's nothing to do in my hometown. There's nothing to do here either. Like, I knew like people drank and people smoked pot, but like that was kind of the extent of it. But I never really. I mean, I drank. I didn't really smoke pot in high school. Mm-hmm. I like tried it since, but you know. Like, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't, like, in my circle. I knew people who did it, but mm-hmm. I I also wasn't, like, when I say I was the bad one, like, I still really didn't do anything, like, super crazy. I was not in trouble with yeah. the law or doing, like, any drugs, like, really. It was, you know, I mean, I think I drank underage, but I was out of high school. Mm-hmm. But... Even then, I didn't do dumb shit. So. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, we've like now spoken for half an hour about nothing. You know, I I just looked at the, the time stamp. I was like, oh, we might want to talk about the book. All right. So we are going to dive into the next bit of Silver Flames. This is your official, like... Spoiler warning, spoiler alert. If you haven't read Silver Flame, go do that and then come back because we're we're going to put it all out there. Here we go.
Here we go. Okay, picking up at chapter 15, where we left off in part one. It is the next day, and Nesta is down in the library doing her bookshelving duties, and she suddenly gets this, like, very uneasy feeling. Um, And then Gwen happens to find her and comforts her and walks her back up and gets Nesta talking about her training. And I think Nesta is starting to maybe put some things together about training and how it's helping her and things like that. Uh, And later, she and Cassian actually talk about Bryaxis because we remember Bryaxis scares the living shit out of Cassian. Yeah. Well, she's scary. He's like, nope. It's a big old nope. I'm not doing like he he saw Bryaxis all of two times and was 100% making sure that never happened again. And they also talk a little bit about her training. And then they also talk about Cassian's past and how he, you know, in the past has been responsible for bringing in creatures like Bryaxis and putting them into the prison. That's not scary at all. No, essentially, I think this was just a great like exposition dump of Cassian is actually like kind of a badass. We haven't totally seen him be like full badass mode in any of the battles that we've seen him in because he like he gets hurt in Akawar and stuff like that. But uh, no, Cassian's a badass. Cassian is fierce. I, yeah, but I kind of like that that's not the focus. Mm-hmm. Of Cassian, like that's kind of just like the icing on the cake bit, because really, like I like the fact that he's a big teddy bear. Like I, that's the Same. best part. That's the best part. It's like it's like uh, to you know probably be annoying, but it's like the Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, like mm-hmm. they're tough as fuck and they're good at what they do and they're like elite but they're big fucking teddy bears on the inside you know Mm -hmm. i love it yeah i also love that trope of like he like there could be entire book series about cassian just doing cool shit Mm -hmm. but that is not the story we're here to tell nope and i love it i love that like if this is going to sound terrible. I kind of love that his heroism and his like badassery has to play second fiddle to literally everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But he's still a fucking badass in his own right. Like, yep. But that's not the like coolest part about him. So, no, it's not. It's that he's just, you know, the biggest golden retriever of. The entire planet. Because golden retriever. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, He's a golden retriever of a human. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So when the conversation turns to Nesta's powers, though, uh, Nesta nopes out of that conversation. Um, but he pulls her back in by flirting with her. Well, duh. That's what they do best. (laughs) I mean, I would say what they do best is argue, but second best for sure is flirting. 
these two have been drawn together since freaking Akamath. Like it's that, the tension is tensioning. Yes, it's such. It's definitely this is such a slow burn couple. Like holy shit, the slowest of slow burn couples. Oh, but when it lights, it lights so big. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us into chapter 16, um, and it is the next day, and at the breakfast, uh, things are a little bit tense between Cassie and Anesta after all of the flirty flirting from the night previously. And Nesta and Cassian then talk about the blood rite and that whole process. And we get a lot more details about what the blood rite actually is. So my notes here are um, interesting. I wrote a bunch of, quote, baby warrior Illyrians. <laughs> they're not actually babies. No. They're like full grown adults, but they're just not Ooh. like, you know. They're still grasshoppers. Yes. They're not full ninjas yet. If they make it out. If they make it out. So they get dumped at the foothills of the sacred mountain, Ramiel. So everybody always talks about the, like, logo emblem iconography of the night court. And it sees three mountains with three stars. The mountain in the middle is Ramiel. And then their job in the blood rite is to fight their way to the top of the mountain. So there's a couple of things we need to keep in note here. Um, the rite, um, during the rite, none of the Illyrians have use of their wings, their magic, or any weapons. They are literally tossed out there essentially naked or in a loincloth. Like, enjoy so it's like surviving in the wilderness surviving bloodthirsty you know peers who are looking to you know show their power by killing people while also trying to get to the top of this mountain in a finite amount of time they're only out there for like a week i think at max yeah it's like it's so like the, the hunger games y yeah it's it's a Hunger Games-esque, for sure. And where you finish during the Blood Rite establishes your warrior status among the Illyrians. So if you actually make it to the top, which most people don't, you are elite. If you make it to the mountain, different tier. Like, depending on how far up the mountain you get, different tiers. Like, yeah. All kinds of like hierarchy in regards to where you end up at the end of blood right. So there's no advantage of like hiding and trying to wait it all out. No, you gotta get to the top. So it's also it's important to note that Cassian, Asriel, and Reese are the last three to have made it to the top, and they all made it together. Yes, that was like a conscious choice on their part mm -hmm. to do it together correct so we love that so this is when nesta gets the idea to potentially have the priestesses from the library join in the training and her logic i kind of love here and it's all about how 
training is helping her physically feel more powerful in her own body. And she thinks that the priestesses might also benefit from that. So that brings us into chapter 17 of Nesta deciding to put up a sign-up sheet for training in the library for the priestesses. I loved this. I loved this as soon as she did it. I was like, yes, this makes my heart happy. It's the outside of taking care of Elaine and sometimes Farah. This is the first time we see Nesta kind of act selflessly. Yes. I think she's, it's the first time she's thinking bigger than herself in a long Mm -hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the first time she has had a thought outside of, I need to make sure Elaine is okay, and I need to throw whatever leftover support I have at Feyre. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she tries climbing the stairs again, and this time she gets to step 500. So she's making progress. progress. Slow and steady. Good for her. But the next day, she's kind of disappointed because no one, none of the priestesses have signed up. It's, <sighs> I feel her pain, but it's like one of those things where it's like you, you're excited about something and you want everybody else to be just as excited and they're not there yet, but they're gonna, mm-hmm. they're gonna, they're gonna get there. Yeah. And so the next day, Elaine comes by the library to check on Nesta. And this is the first, like, real interaction they've had since she's been sort of, quote-unquote, banished to the House of Wind yeah. <laughs> to do all of this. And I think Elaine is trying to be kind in this interaction, but Nesta doesn't take it that way. No, she doesn't. And she does finally just come out and admit that she is mad at Elaine for agreeing with Feyre and Reese on this plan. I mean, I don't know what she expected, but I'm glad she said it out loud. It was something that like needed to, to be said, I think because Nesta needs, Mm -hmm. Nesta needs to feel her feelings. However, I think what Elaine, because it it actually gets commented throughout the book by several people about how Nessa's appearance is getting better. And so I I think that it was like, they keep saying this because I think, I remember getting the impression that like her, the way she looked was very severe. She lost a lot of weight. She had not been physically taking care of herself. And so I, it just, I don't know. Yeah, I think it definitely parallels, you know, a little bit of what we see explained more frankly in Akamath with Feyre when she is sort of withering away in the spring court and in Reese's concern for her when she would come to the night court. Exactly. And I think it's pretty much the exact same thing but Nesta has always been more severe more serious of a person than Feyre ever was yeah so her edge she's always going to have a little bit of an edge yes to her and Feyre and Elaine are softer Mm -hmm. 
So when they comment on her becoming softer, I think they mean it as a compliment of like, hey, you look like you are getting better, but Nesta has only known herself as this sharp-edged, jagged person. And that that means to her that she's being chipped away at and her edges are becoming dull. Yeah. And she's losing a part of herself. No, makes sense. So I can understand why she wouldn't love that. I think she comes to terms with it though. So Elaine then mentions their father. And I understand that like Elaine is also grieving, but it does not have a great reaction out of Nesta. Nesta's powers kind of unintentionally rise up in her and she blames Elaine for their father's death. And I think this is just totally unwarranted casting of blame. Elaine did not do anything to cause their father's death. No, this is very much misplaced anger. Like that is projection. That's how she feels about herself. Yes. Nesta blames herself. Nesta can't cope with that. So she's now blaming Elaine. So Elaine leaves in tears. Not great. Not great. So then Cassian comes by and he's like, what happened? But she doesn't talk to him. No. But instead she tries the stairs. That's her. That's her outlet. It's her meditation. It's her way of processing things. And I'm not mad at it. Yep. I think it's perfect. So we get she in this attempt, she makes it to step 1000. And remember, there's 10,000 steps. Yeah. So like 1000 sounds like a ton. It's not. So she gets a little dizzy when she hits step 1000 and heads back up. And when she gets back up to the top of the stairs, Cassian is there. Ooh, I can't wait. And uh, they banter a little bit. And then they do what? And then they kiss. I was so like this is not their first kiss. Three hundred pages in, it took forever. It did take a while for them to get to this, Um, but it's a really good kiss. And they he like pushes her up against the wall, and you know it's very heated. And then, um, yep, that was a yeah, that was a it was a great makeout session. Great. Uh, Nessa claims that this kiss was only to uh, get uh, the smirk off of Cassian's face. It, uh, but we all know that that was a lie. She just wants to kiss him. Yeah. And she's feeling vulnerable, and so she, when she feels vulnerable, we already know that Nesta likes to, you know, go into her hoe phase. So who better to be hoeing with than Cassian? <sighs> so we move over to. Uh, chapter 19 and the spice is continuing and it's very fun. Um, but Cassian's uh, been waiting around. He's been a while since he uh, 
He's been with anybody, and he's a little, a little quick off the draw. Little. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it happens to every guy. I swear. It does. It, it happens. happens. It happens. Oh my god. It. It. They, they just get. He's just too into it. But Nessa, hundred like, percent. That was not. I was like, oh no. Yeah, Nesta's like, okay, bye. And she leaves, but she doesn't say, like, a snide remark. And she definitely could have. She just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. She just leaves. Uh, And so then Cassian gets up the next day and he talks to Asriel and he tells them that, uh, Asriel tells Cassian that he and Nesta are wanted at the river house. So like they don't even have time to like have a conversation about what happened the night before. They're just going to have to go immediately down to the river house because like, something's up. But let's be honest here. The minute as stepped into the house of wind or not wherever, not like the, where are they? The house of wind. Is that the house of wind? Nesta's house yeah. where she's living right now. Yeah, I can't keep these, I can't keep the labels straight. Anyway, the minute he stepped through the doorway, he knew they had sex. He could smell it instantly. Oh, he knew that they had both been aroused. I don't think he knew that. He probably suspected. Oh no, more had happened. Oh no, he smelled it. Oh yeah, he's he smelled it for sure. But like we all, we both know that they they didn't actually have sex. Oh, but like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. So we, so we all head down to the House of Wind, and Feyre and Reese and Amran and Azrael are all like in the sitting room waiting for them. And I'm like, awkward. She hasn't. I'm, honestly, when I read this part, I'm like, she's literally been doing everything you've told her to do. What the fuck more do you want from her? Like what? Why? Why is it? Why are we having a big like group meeting? I didn't think it was anything that she had done. I figured there was something wrong, which there is. Yeah. <laughs> um. um so, yeah, we learned you know, fucking a shit up, like becoming an issue. Yes. Yeah. So reminder. Briallen is the mortal queen who was turned old at the end of Akamath. She's the one who cast out Vasa. She's just kind of an issue. Like, she's the Karen of all Karens. Yep. And because she's so, like, she wants to be young again. She wants to reclaim her youth. She can't stand to be old. Nope. And she's old and she's mad about it and she wants to get her youth. And she has now teamed up with Baron, mm-hmm. Lord of the Autumn Court, and is gathering her own armies because she wants to go get the cauldron and get her youth back. Well, we all know as readers at the end of the Akavor book, uh, she ain't going to get the cauldron. It's not in Prithian anymore. No. No. So her plan is very foolhardy, but she does not know it is foolhardy. Um, and yeah, 
it's a problem. So she's also teamed up with the Death Lord Kochi. Just like Vasa predicted. I I guess when I read this, I remember thinking, like, I thought we already said that this was happening. Like, I guess the way I read it, it didn't seem like uh this is a this is what I think is gonna happen. It seemed like this is this is what's happening. This is happening. Yeah, I think it was like unconfirmed, but like we're pretty confident that this is what is happening. And now it's confirmed. Great. Yay. Yeah. Such great stuff. So then Amarin talks about how they need to find the trove. And what the hell is the trove? We will explain because it's like the new magical quest. Yay. So the trove is three known items and potentially a fourth item that is unknown. So the three items we know are the mask, the harp, and the crown. So the mask can raise the dead. And the best explanation I have of what I imagined here is the army of the dead from Lord of the Rings. You know what I think? The green of? people. Well, see, that's not where my brain went. I went Game of Thrones with the like that's the White Walkers. Yeah, you know the scene where like Jon Snow's on a boat and he like gets on it and turns around and they all like the dead people like stand up and just stare mm-hmm. at him. There was like. Mm-hmm. There's that chick. She's like a German chick. I think she was there with her daughter. It was fucking creepy as hell. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I think when I hear Dead Army. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty powerful tool. Yeah. An army that can technically not is already dead. So can you kill them again? I don't know. You have to cut their heads off, right? I would guess or burn them. Yeah. My guess would also burn. be burn. Um. Then the harp can open any door or whether it's physical or not. And I think this has to do with another series. Do you want to do a spoiler? Yeah, spoiler. If you haven't read Crescent City, you're going to need to jump ahead like 15 seconds. Spoiler jingle. Jingle, jingle. Okay. I think this has to do with how Bryce gets into Perthian at the end of Sky and Breath. Because she does play the harp. Yeah, but where's the door? I'm not entirely sure because she shows up on the lawn of the river house. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah, she opened I, she opened a door between worlds. Yes. I think unintentionally. Agreed. Also though this literally just dawned in me uh, like in my brain. So the mask where it's like can raise the dead and you were like think army from Lord of the Rings. This is probably like entering like I'm I'm gonna like pivot to throne of glass here too. I think this has something to do with like what's quote wrong with uh 
the king's army that he's building. Like the witches, like uh, what's her face? Manon. 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 She doesn't want them to like eat the shit because it smells funny. It smells off, right? Maybe that's it. Like maybe they're like partially dead. I think they're definitely like that is, being. That is not it. Damn it. Okay. Sorry. Is there something going on? Oh yeah. With the King's Army, a hundred percent. Well, they definitely have like demons being like put into people. That's definitely happening. Why are you making like I can't tell your face is frozen. It's not fair. <laughs> um you have like four more books to read. Ugh, okay. How deep into Queen of Shadows are I'm you? 30% in, and I have to finish in the next 48 hours. Okay. So I'm gonna like my my goal is to finish. That like well, I already told you my goal. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'm sorry. Rabbit hole again. Back to the end. Back to the end. Spoilery part of this, yeah. uh, and then we also have the crown, which has the ability to influence anyone. And now that if these three objects are combined, it is theorized that they can control time. Okay. Yep. My brain so is these like objects... working in overdrive here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these objects were lost a long time ago, and they can only be found by somebody with who has been capital M made by the cauldron. So Elaine steps forward and offers to find the objects. And then Nessa turns around in chapter 21 and is like, like, fuck no. She's like, hell nah, because it's clearly going to be dangerous to find these objects. So hypocritical, and by the way. Like, <sighs> let it go, Nesta. You can't. Yeah. yeah. You can't protect Elaine from everything. Because nope. she's also not exactly volunteering herself to do yeah. it. She tries to volunteer Feyre. You go do it, bitch. That's your job. That's what you always do. You're like, why can't... Feyre do it because I mean to be fair Feyre probably would in most circumstances actually be a pretty good option here because Feyre has a lot of you know she's a little bit of power from all of the High Lords but yeah but also maybe like let Feyre have a fucking break I don't know no she's like but that's not the relationship Nessa knows with Feyre she always knows she only knows Feyre as the person who will go out and do anything to help and protect their family. I know, but still. Do do we want to explain why Feyre is not allowed to be a participant in this process? I mean, yeah, we can. Because she's pregnant. She's pregnant. So, um, this is explaining why she has the random shield around her and why Reese is acting like an idiot. I was like... Which he continues to do for a while. Yeah. It was dumb. Yeah, so there is a bonus chapter of this book 
that details the scene of them discovering that she is pregnant. And I'm not sad it got cut from the actual book because I didn't care. I don't even remember it. I literally hate the pregnancy trope. I know you do. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, I'm so glad she's pregnant and not the main character because I could... I have zero fucks to give yeah. about her being pregnant. I also would like to maintain that I don't think that they would have had Pharaoh wouldn't have put up a shield or let Reese put up a shield if she wasn't pregnant. Because I don't think that Pharaoh thought that Nesta was actually that dangerous. I think that, that was just purely Reese being fucking paranoid. Yeah, I don't think this shield had anything specifically to do with Nesta. I think it was just him. A, because it from the bonus chapter, we learned that the way that they find out that she is pregnant isn't by, like, peeing on a stick, because that would be normal. Um, her scent changed, and... Reese came into the art studio where she was painting and he like fell to his knees because her scent has changed and he knew that she was pregnant. Did you not read that bonus chapter? I'm honestly thinking maybe I didn't. That's okay. It doesn't sound like I missed anything because I don't really care about that either. Clearly I didn't miss it. So part of the thing I think of the shield is to prevent other people from knowing that she is pregnant and not so much like the inner circle, but other people who have more nefarious intentions. I see. Okay. Because like when we first talked about it in the last episode, I think we did say it was because they were concerned about the unpredictability of Nessa's powers. That is the explanation that Reese gives Cassian. But but that isn't I don't think that's the no, real reason. And I don't either. And that's what I'm saying. Is like I don't believe, I don't buy that. Like if no. so if Nesta wasn't pregnant, that wouldn't have been there. It's purely You mean if Feyre wasn't pregnant? That, yes, thank you. If if Feyre wasn't mm-hmm. pregnant, no way Nesta would like they wouldn't have it wouldn't have been worried that Nesta was going to hurt her. You know what I mean? No. So, yeah. No. And, like, I think this is just a really great example of, like, the ridiculous overprotectiveness that can happen in book, like, in universe with mated people. Uh, this is... Yeah. This is him being a big, stupid, overprotective baby. Um... But yeah, there is pregnant and everyone's pretty happy about it. Uh, Nesta kind of doesn't care. Yeah. Um, don't blame her because I also don't care. Don't care. Um, so because of this and in order to prevent Elaine from having to do the scrying, Nesta agrees to be the one who helps find the trove. Good yeah fucking damn right you need to so then in chapter 22 Cassie and Nazriel go off to have a sidebar conversation about Reese and Feyre and the baby and then of course Nesta um and 
they're happy for him. Like they're happy for Reese and Vera. They're like, okay, this is gonna, this is a thing that's happening. It's like one of those things where it's like, was this really the appropriate time to have a baby? Well, I again to go back to Frost and Starlight. They legitimately did not think they were going to get pregnant that fast. It doesn't matter because normally it takes a really long time unless you're like the Lady of Autumnport and she has seven sons. Um, Apparently, Favorite may be in this category as well. Yeah. So then Cassian. Takes every, like Cassian and Nesta and everybody goes back up to the House of Wind and he goes into her room to settle the debt between them. Settle it, he does. He does indeed settle that debt. He is no longer indebted no. to Nesta. No. But they don't have sex. Like, they do not have penis into vagina sex. Doesn't matter. They're still enjoying each other. Oh, they're having a grand old time, but they are kind of taking the physical aspect of their situationship. They're slowly. They're doing sex things. Sex things. They're doing a lot of foreplay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. At, foreplay is great. Slow burn. Mm-hmm. Because we're like 400 pages in at this point. I know. But then so. it's funny too because then they act all like awkward as shit the next day. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and it's, it's fun- so funny. Because again, again, Az is like, I know in his brain, he's like, you two fuckers. I know what you're doing. Oh God. I know what you're doing. I feel I feel so bad for Az like yeah. through all of this book. You know he, has he to feels deal so with the two of them. You know he feels so he's- fucking awkward. He's literally their fucking chaperone, yeah. and he's he's like, I can't. They're actually adults. I can't do anything to stop them from acting this way. Yeah. But I do. I really have to be subjected to this. Like, oh god, I don't want to be here. I don't want to smell this. Because you know he is. No. Oh, and like, he's also pining for Elaine. Yeah. Um, at this point, and he's just like. Uh, he's like I'm not getting any Yeah, he's miserable probably not gonna get any cause I'm feeling the feels for a mated female yeah so then they go take it My- out on each other in the ring and it makes it super they hot do. <laughs> super hot well, I mean that is Nesta's explanation of the two of them sparring no, I believe it sweaty shirtless bodies yeah with like 12 pack abs and big wingspans and really big wingspans <laughs> oh yeah i'm not mad about it you're not mad about no. it nope for how heavy this book is if you didn't have those moments of like space and you know Nesta ogling Cassian and Azriel as they're sparring, like it would be too heavy of a book. There's some good Cassian comic relief in there too. Oh yeah, he's so, he's so funny. Yeah. He's so funny. But the, no. <sighs> so later, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Nessa thinks she's not thinks she's being sly, but like talks to Gwen about the dead trove. But yeah, she she like does. I mean, they didn't exactly like swear her to secrecy. Yeah, but, but like she immediately goes to to Gwen and is like, hey. Yeah, I have to do this thing. Can you help me find some info about this stuff? Like, you're way more familiar with the library. Yeah. And Gwen agrees because those two are becoming friends. Makes me happy for her. I know. I know. But the sign up sheet is still blank. But she does, you know, take to the stairs again and hits step 2000 this time. Yep. She is like slowly increasing, but honestly, 4,000 steps. Oh my God. Yeah. That, makes me want to vomit a little that's bit. That's what you could do. <laughs> do 10,000 steps. Can I just use the stairs in my house? Yeah. Just do 10,000 steps. Yeah. Or 20,000 up and down steps. Oh my God. That's a lot. My knee hurts just thinking about God, that. My knee hurts for you. <laughs> That was a bad. That was a bad <laughs> suggestion. I take it back. I mean, I could try. Mm. I could try. Don't push it. Don't hurt me. Um, sorry. The next day, Clotho calls Cassian into the library, and she needs to talk to him. And so, she talks by like writing. Uh, because, again, they cut out her tongue and they smashed her hand. So she has very limited ability to communicate. But she tells him that Nesta has been, quote, training while shelving the books. So he goes down and he finds Nesta doing this training. And she's like, pretend boxing. And he corrects her form a little bit. And then, like, Talks to her a little bit um, and she notices that the priestesses are watching the two of them. And he's like, okay. And he's, she's like, I did the punch wrong on purpose. It was a plan because they like me had a fear of the unknown when it comes to this training. And so I wanted to show them how you can help them and how gentle and like respectful you are in your training technique. Yeah. So they could feel safe working with you. I loved that scene. <laughs> I also thought it was obvious. Uh. I thought Cassian was really stupid that he didn't immediately understand what she was doing. I mean, sometimes Cassian is really nice to look at and not much else. Yeah, I guess. But uh, I also have to give props for Cassian because he didn't realize what the bruise was and he still was very respectful and uh, didn't like slap her ass or anything that would freak the priestesses out. I don't. I mean, I don't expect anything less of Cassian, honestly. Well, I, I could see him doing that, like, in front of the inner circle. Mm -hmm. But, like, not in front of the priestesses where he knows they are very, they're like nervous chickens, you know? Mm -hmm. You look at them wrong, they're going to run away. 
Uh, exactly. So, exactly. I don't think he would have behaved that way in in the li- in the, the library. In the library, no, I don't either. And honestly, like I can't think of a more respectful male to be leading a training with them. Yeah, like he is incredibly respectful. Him and as both of them. Uh, I mean him as and like Reese. Reese is also incredibly respectful. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's not. It's not. It's not the same. It's not. But unfortunately, even after her little game, sign-up sheet is still blank. I mean, (sighs) give it some time. I know, I know. And so... I mean, we know that the House of Wind has been supplying Nesta with spicy romance novels to delight her in the evenings. But Cassian gives Nesta a copy of The Dance of Battles, which is one of his favorite books. Um, Not very much like her smutty romances, but she reads it. I loved that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely like when a book lover, when a book. I feel like it's like when a book lover gives you a book that they like. Mm-hmm. It's it's a I don't know. It's very intimate. Yes. It's like giving a little piece of your soul over yes. like thank you. Here's something I love. I need you to love this too. Thank yes, thank you. That is a great description. I love that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But then the next day. Mm-hmm. Nesta goes down for after training back into the library and someone has signed up. Gwen. Gwen signed up. I was so excited. I mean, I knew she was was so excited. I knew she was going to, but I was so excited. Oh, a hundred percent. I knew that, uh, that Gwen was going to end up being the person who signed up, but I was just so excited for Nesta that it worked. Yeah. Like her little ruse worked on someone. And if you get one, you'll get more. If you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. And it's, <laughs> uh, I was so excited for her. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like and th- that concludes part one of the book. So that is the end of novice. And, I really feel like we start to see the foundations of the turn for Nesta. Like all of the pieces are coming into place for Nesta to start building herself back up and really starting down a a better path by the end of this first part. Yes. I think this is a big pivot for Nesta in her direction. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a big step forward I think she needed she needed someone else to believe in her too Mm -hmm. she needed people independent of her sisters so like not the inner circle necessarily not anyone that Elaine has connection to she really needed her own friends and then Cassian is kind of different because Cassian is 
Cassian. Mm-hmm. And they have this undeniable connection between the two of them. Oh, goodness. Well, I guess. What were your thoughts on this first part? Like when you got to this point? I don't even remember. I think I just immediately began the next part. Oh, yeah. You just turn the page and jump into Blade. Immediately went into the next part. I Yeah, I was just... Go ahead. Sorry. No, you... I I was just going to say, like, when, when I got to this part, I was just like, it felt like really that first milestone in her recovery. Yes so to speak like she's done like the 30 days of like intensive rehab and now she's getting she's gotten her first chip and she's getting into the halfway house yeah she's 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 seen the first sign of progress in herself Mm-hmm. which is a big step i think Oh, a huge in step. Any, like when you start noticing. Yeah. In any form of self-improvement, yeah. when you start noticing things about results that you've been seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're usually the last person to notice. Mm-hmm. Like you live in your body every day. You don't notice the changes as quickly as other people do. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. I can't wait to get into part twos and threes because there's way good more good stuff coming. You mean three and four. This is part two. Well, I meant part two and part three of the book. Oh, I see. I see. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. My bad. You see what I did there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm fully anticipating Silver Flame being six parts. Yeah. <laughs> on the pod. Probably. But we're going to break it up, guys. So you're not totally in. It's not going to be just silver flame for weeks on on yeah. end. We'll do a few up. We're gonna have a little. We have we have some some things sprinkled in, and then you know <laughs> shortly after uh, VPR starts. We can't wait. I know VPR is coming up right around the corner. Crazy! It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out what's coming up next on the pod, be sure to go check us out on Instagram and give us a follow. It's Mel and Jill. Geek out. I hit my mic. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> let me try. Let me try it again. So if you want to check out what's coming up next on the pod, be sure to go check us out on Instagram and give us a follow. The handle is Mel and Jill geek out at Gmail. Just Mel and Jill geek out. I don't know. It's late at night, guys. Give me a break. And if you have a suggestion of what we should geek out about next, you should shoot us an email over at jillandmelgeekout at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Mel. And I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye. Bye. Bye.